Welcome back to the Assured Podcast. This season, we are unpacking homeschool exhaustion and exploring different perspectives and possibilities for how you can personally recharge. Today for episode two, we are talking to Leah McDermott from Your Natural Learner, all about how to overcome homeschool exhaustion using de-schooling as an approach. This is a clip of the full conversation from the Recharge Virtual Summit, the only homeschool event where you can hear from 12 different homeschooling experts in just five minutes each. You can access those full conversations over at homeschoolteachingsimplified.com slash recharge. This conversation was such a treat. I know you are going to love it too. Leah McDermott is a former master educator turned radical unschooling advocate and mama of three boys. She's the owner of Your Natural Learner and Bridge Academy, where she provides resources and community for natural learning and homeschoolers around the world. After years spent in the public school classrooms, Leah recognized the disconnect between what we know to be true about how learning happens and what we were doing to our children in the system. In 2011, after having her first child, she made the decision to step away from public learning system and began her work in encouraging and supporting homeschooling families to raise a new generation of confident and passionate lifelong learners. Today, Leah focuses on helping parents shift their mindset to trust that their children are capable of learning what they need when they need it. We started homeschooling because we want the freedom to educate our children in the way that's best for them. We want to be the one to provide that for them. But too quickly, expectations get in the way and it starts to get overwhelming trying to make learning happen. My name is Natalie Burns and welcome to the Assured Podcast where we talk about how to homeschool and not get burned out by it. After a decade of teaching high school in the public school system, I left my position to homeschool my own three children. Now I share the practical learning strategies you can incorporate into your homeschool teaching and tackle the underlying belief systems that have been holding you back from having a deeper connection with your child through the process. Here you will find refreshment as you embrace the personal growth that comes with homeschooling. Every child deserves a custom education. I want you to feel assured that you are equipped to be the one to provide that for them. Join us for each episode to learn how to approach your homeschool teaching from a place of easygoing confidence. I am so happy to have you with me here today to talk about exhaustion and how to recharge ourselves as homeschooling moms. Love that. Hi, thanks for having me. Would you start us off with those that maybe haven't heard your background before and what your homeschooling experience has been like and what your main message that you share is? Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, sure. Let's see how I can do this so quickly. So um, actually, uh, maybe uniquely, I was a homeschooled child and I don't always talk about that in my bio, um, <clears throat> but it's fun to start the story that way sometimes. So I was in public school. Um, we homeschooled mostly out of necessity because my family moved a lot. My father was in the military. We were constantly bouncing around. Um, so my parents chose to homeschool me back before it was legal everywhere. Um, so I've really gotten to see like the spectrum of how homeschooling has changed over the past 40 years. Um, but, you know, at the time, homeschooling for me was very rigid. It was very much, um, you know, homeschooling moms 30, 40 years ago, they needed to prove that what they were doing was 
as good, if not better than what the public school was doing, since they were so against the grain back then, it was so rare to do it. Um, so it was very regimented. We have a we had a homeschool classroom, we had a full curriculum, we had workbooks, I took tests, there were red pens on things, there were posters on the walls. It was exactly like being in school, just at my house. Um, and then I went into the teaching profession. I got two master's degrees in education. I went all in on teaching. I thought that was everything I wanted to do. Super type A teacher. Um, and I started working in a kindergarten classroom, which was great because they were curious and they were imaginative and they were creative and everything that learners should be right. They want the information. They want to believe in the magic of the world. Still they're, they're capable, they're curious. They want to do all of the projects that you have to offer them. Um, and then after doing that for a few years, our district, you know, did all the switching around and I got moved from kindergarten to fifth grade. And that was when it was like the glass ceiling fell in my world because I went immediately from having 30, 40 kids come in excited and happy to learn every day to zombies. They did not want to be there. They had made decisions already. They hated school. They hated reading. They hated writing. They were bad at math. They were bad. This is, you know, to them, they're bad at math. They don't do art. They don't do music. They don't want to be there. There's nothing fun that you could do. There was nothing creative that you could do. For 90% of those kids, we had destroyed a love of learning. And it was a breaking point for me. I was like, what have we done here in, in five years? All of the light is gone. The spark is gone. Most of them are medicated now. Like what, what have we done? And so I taught fifth grade for two years. Um, I was the teacher that did everything against the grain. I was not very liked by administration because I did not want to let them do, you know, keep doing what they were doing to these kids. But that's really when my personal research into child development, um, you know, how learning happens in the brain, the research into like the historical research on the education system, why we do what we do, data and all of that. Um, that's when that really all started. And then I got pregnant with my oldest, who's now almost 13. And I knew immediately, I was like, well, I'm not going to put him into this. Um, so I have to find another way. So I left the classroom at that point. Um, I had him just, you know, as a baby. And then when he turned, you know, two or three, the whole mindset comes waving back, right? Like, okay, well now it's reading time and preschool time. And he needs to learn his letters and he needs to learn his colors and all of that, like conditioning kind of sat back in. And so I started doing research despite having, you know, all of the years of experience of my own and, you know, master's degrees in curriculum design. I was like, okay, well, I got to find a curriculum for him if I'm going to homeschool him. And I started doing all this research, but everything was just like, it was like triggers of like all the things we'd still been doing. We're just doing it to kids at home now. And I was like, well, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do. And I couldn't find anything. Um, I was like, okay, well, I guess that means I have to do it myself. Uh, and so 13 years ago or 12 years ago now, I started writing my own curriculum, which was basically just um, aligning with the natural development of the child first, instead of starting with standards or like, you know, a common core or anything like that, starting with what we knew to be true about the brain, what we knew to be true about how children interact in the environment, and also looking at not just academic progress, but how else are children developing physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, taking all of that into consideration, um, but also really focusing around the message of de-schooling, which is that process of 
breaking away from what we've just always believed to be true. It's, you know, it's just what has always been done. It's, you know, it's time to, as a, as a community, as a global collective, we start looking at, you know, why do we believe that's the only way to learn? And how do we break free of that for our kids sake? Because children are natural learners. They are, like I said, from the beginning, they're curious. They want to know things. They want to touch and explore and experiment. And it's us that destroy that um, through this process of schooling. Um, you know, there's lots of buzzwords we could use about it, but that's really my main thing now is breaking free of that uh, belief that we have to do something to them to help them learn. Oh, I love hearing how your personal experience has translated into how you view homeschooling now and how you support moms now. I definitely want to come back to that concept of de-schooling. Before we do, though, I would love to hear more about that transition that you made from kindergarten to grade five and what you learned about how you view thinking and learning and how you view supporting a child in the way that they learn. How did you see that come up with moms in their own homes and maybe their past with their learning experience being similar to your kindergarten experience or completely different? And then how that translates to them now at home if they weren't homeschooled themselves? Yeah, that's a that's a nice um, analogy to, to play with there, because I think, you know, some of the biggest things that were indicators for me in that transition were, well, the biggest one is trust, right? Like when a kindergartner comes in, they have at least 15 years ago, we didn't expect them to come in with any, we didn't have any expectations, right? We didn't expect them to be reading. I know it is different now and that's, you know, a different problem, but we didn't expect them to have all of this knowledge. It was come in, be here, engage, learn. We trust that you're going to fit in here. And by the time they got to fifth grade then, and I didn't get to see that journey, right? I never taught first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. I didn't go into those classrooms and slowly watch it die. I just got thrown right into it. And what became so apparent was that we mostly lost the trust in our kids. Like everything then in fifth grade became, well, you have to learn this just because it's on, it's on the curriculum. It's on my lesson plans. It's what all the other fifth grade teachers are doing. Well, that's just how it is. And even if there were still kids that were questioning it, like, why do I need to know this? When am I ever going to use this? It was, there was because that's, that's what we do. Cause it's here. Cause there's a test on it. Like there weren't any real concrete answers and that trust, not only did they lose the trust in us to make learning something that was fun and enjoyable, we lost collectively the trust in our children, that they would seek out those things, that they could learn those things without us forcing them on some arbitrary timeline, that if they weren't proficient in everything, that they were somehow failures. Um, and so it's just like this, the biggest thing was trust. And so when we translate that over to parents at home, what happens psychologically is we recognize as a parent, I have a parent who will recognize, okay, school's not working for my child for whatever reason brings us here, right? Maybe it's bullying. Maybe it's, um, my child's struggling, maybe it's anxiety, you know, maybe they're, it's too easy for them. Whatever the reason is that a parent comes and brings their child home. What happens is then there's this fear and there's pressure 
that they have to match that performance, that they suddenly have to maybe even do it better. And all of that fear creates a, a lack of trust, right? Again, it cracks that foundation of trust. We're bringing our child home from this system. We're saying, you know what, that we're going to say is not working. Let's come back here to where things should be working, right? This is where it starts. This is where learning starts at home. And if we don't repair that trust, and we can talk about what that does to the child later, for the parent, if we don't trust our kids to be learners, naturally, then what happens is every time one of those fears comes up, like the neighbor child is reading and my child isn't, or my mother-in-law made a comment about my child homeschooling and that didn't set well with me. If I don't have that foundation of trust in my child that they're going to learn what they need when they need it, learning is for all of life. There is no timeline for learning. If I don't believe that, I don't trust that. Every time one of those fears comes in, it cracks that a little bit more. And then I react to that. And that reaction comes back from our childhood, right? We weren't trusted because now we're a couple decades into this like modern education system where it was done to us too. And so now we're reliving, whether we believe it or not, those educational wounds from our own childhood of, well, I just had to do it. It's just a thing we have to get through, right? Then we start repeating those phrases to ourselves and to our child. And what happens is we end up accidentally recreating exactly what the problems were in the classroom, only now they're in our safe space our child's safe space. Now we are the bully and not the system. And that creates a whole new world of problems. And this is where we then have parents saying, I tried homeschooling. It didn't work. It, I couldn't do it. We weren't a good match. I can't be my child's teacher and their parent. And all of that comes down to this need to break free to de-school um, because we're not actually trusting in our children, which comes from those wounds of not trusting ourselves. I definitely see that in the homeschool, especially as a teacher in the classroom, their stuff, their emotional stuff, their challenges with what they were going through with learning. It never got to me. I could just objectively help them work through it with my own children at home. However, when they start to tense up about something and show that they're getting resistant or upset, it triggers me because I can see that these are those wounds or those traumas that I had with learning. And now they're bubbling up and they're they're coming up in my children because they model how we act and think and our belief systems. And we've instilled these things without even realizing it. And then now we're feeling it with them. And so if we can find a way to detach from feeling that and hurting in the moment, then we can approach learning so much more from a supportive place and like a guidance place so that they can actually take ownership for themselves of their own experience. And so when I think about like trusting our children then with that, I think about what does that practically look like for those moms that are like, okay, yeah, but like, what can I literally do today? Is de-schooling like the action oriented step here in order to like help ourselves even get into that process of trusting? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's 
it's the healing journey, right? Are there, if you go to therapy, if you've had a wound of some kind, even think of it as like a physical wound, right? Um, if you've cut yourself or burned yourself, you can't just move on and pretend it's not there. Like there is healing to be done. There are actions to heal a wound, but it just kind of, you have to let it happen and go through those processes. And that's what healing, you know, the first step is recognizing that it's there. And if you ever, unless you are like the rare breed of mom, because you're not alone here, right? Like everybody's going to feel this because we are a product of that system. Um, but the action is the recognition of that, right? When you recognize at any point, there's been like a struggle or a fear, or like you're coming up against some kind of emotion about this, or your child is with the resistance, right? Anytime there's some kind of resistance, then it's time to do that work. And there is work to be done with these schooling, but most of it is in that moment. And that's what's so hard about healing, right? Any trauma is going to be hard in those moments. And then it becomes this, like, just this muddy mess of emotions where you're feeling the judgment of like the world, you feel like a failure, you're probably jetted back to your feelings of failure as a child, right? We see this a lot with things like math, why well, I was terrible at math. So how could I ever teach my child math? And then you're putting those emotions on your child, right? They, they now feel like they have to perform for you, that learning is not something that is enjoyable, that is fun, that is forever, that is endless. It is, or that it is passionate, right? Like how there's so many things we can learn about. And now we live in a world where we can have robots teach it to us. We can do it so easily, any topic we could possibly want to learn about. And yet we're still in this like pigeonholed line of, things that we've deemed are important and we are changing their beliefs about it. And that becomes, again, that's, that's when we become the bullies. Um, and that's very hard to break free of. So yeah, the action really is as simple as like, who is this for? Because 99% of the time it's going to be you, you're going to be the one that's having those emotions, not your child. Yeah, replicating school at home can be like from an emotional, psychological sense too. Something that you mentioned that I would love to just kind of like highlight again, because I think it is so important, is what you mentioned about taking responsibility for our child's learning. Well, you didn't exactly say that, yeah. but essentially that's what it is, right? When we say you're supposed to do this, that, and the other thing, and at this timeline that I see is right, or that the ministry has told me is right, or that the expectations from others thinks you should be doing this at this time, really then we are taking on the responsibility. They are doing it for us and they are no longer doing this for themselves. They are not going to then connect with how they think and learn. They're not going to connect with joy with learning. They're not going to be inspired to think critically and creatively throughout their lives by this like baseline of understanding how they think and learn because just like psychologically, we were put into this pattern of do it because you were told to do it. If we start to put that on them, then this is like probably the exact opposite of why we wanted to homeschool in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And here's, you know, just throw some more statistics at you. Like we know statistically that by fourth grade, children have made up their minds about who they are as learners or how they learn. So fourth grade, my middle child is in fourth grade. He's nine. He's a baby. He's just a little baby, right? He's only nine years old. And 
I have to be like, I have that knowledge looking at this tiny little body that how he feels about himself as a learner right now is statistically how he will feel about himself for the rest of his life. And that is like, when you think about that, that's an enormous responsibility because how many adults do you know that say, I'm terrible at math. I'm so bad at math. I'm a terrible artist. Oh, I can't draw. Oh, I definitely can't sing. I don't understand music. I hate reading. I hate writing. Those are beliefs that did not come to us when we tried something new. I didn't take a creative writing class when I was 30 years old and discovered I was bad at it. That is a belief from second grade, third, third grade, fourth grade that I carried about myself forever. And those wounds, they turn into, they, they, they shape who we become. They change our beliefs about what we're capable of, the jobs that we can do, the passions that we have, how we seek out new information. Mm. Um, and then also how we parent because we have those beliefs about ourselves that we attribute often to personal failures and not failures of the system. And so we might, for example, say, or I hear parents all the time saying things like, again, I'm, I was so bad at math in school. Like I, there's no way I could teach my child math. So I could maybe homeschool them until middle school. And then they're going to have to go to school because I couldn't teach them math. We need to really like, think about this. Like, why are we doing this? Right. For what end? Because we know that if you don't care about something, you're not going to remember it. So think about how many tests you took in high school and even maybe in college, like where the information was here until you took the test and then it was gone and you can't recall it now and it doesn't matter to you and you'll never use it again. But when you care about it, you're insatiable, right? You want to learn more. You're seeking out more. You're researching in the middle of the night. You can't fall asleep because you're down this rabbit hole of something. That is real, meaningful, true learning. And there's no deadline on that. That doesn't go away when you turn 18 and have to get a real job. That really, the things, that's when we're just discovering what we love and what we're into and what the world has to offer. Once we become adults and have our fingertips, you know, the world at our fingertips, that's when learning really matters. That's when we can really utilize it. So if we would shift that you know, this is where it's like, okay, all of this sounds great, but what do we do about it? This is where you start to shift that belief of like, is my job to teach my children what to learn? Or can I focus on teaching them how to learn and how much learning is a part of everything that we do so that they have the power and the capability to learn whatever they need when they actually need it? And that's the shift, right? Because that's easy to do. It's, it's hard to perpetuate the system. So it's leaning into that, like, what is my purpose? What is my goal? Um, and then that, that just that awareness of like, okay, by the time my child is nine or 10, that's, that's it. It's almost statistically impossible to change their minds. So like, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> 
Oh, 100%. And it's so funny that you say, when we shift from what to teach to how to teach, that's actually much easier. And I'm sure that some people are listening right now going, hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, once you can learn those tools, you can bust those out intuitively in the moment and it makes your life so much more relaxed and easygoing to have this posture in the way that you approach teaching and it just changes everything. It's not very difficult to learn and once we can fill up the toolbox with those tools, your life changes. So I want to encourage people for that and then also to encourage people that you can learn this now. And even if your child is past grade four and you're thinking, oh, no, I've, I've ruined them. <laughs> it's OK, because now now they have to do it with you. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at us. Look at our generation here. So many are diving deep into personal growth and learning how to heal those wounds. And it is possible to change our long-held belief systems. And as we model that for our children, they naturally see that bubbling out of us. And then that has the added benefit of also affecting change in them. So no matter how old your child, (laughs) there is still hope that we can model that lifelong learning for them and inspire them. Not tell them that they have to, but inspire them. Now, you need to change your attitude about this. You need to change the way you think about this because it's so much deeper that it's not just a Band-Aid fix anymore. It's, It's healing the way that we view ourselves when it comes to learning. Yeah. And recognizing again, that just like any traumatic healing experience, everyone's journey is going to be different because, you know, that fourth grade thing is, you know, it's a statistic, of course. So I work with parents who have a five-year-old who was in school for two weeks, who is extremely traumatized and has to do all of that healing. And I work with plenty of parents who pull their kids out in senior year. Like, okay, you know what? I don't care if they only have six months left. We're done and we're going to make a change. And so the biggest thing is if you're, when, if you find yourself on this like tandem journey of healing, where you are going through your healing and your child, you're already noticing has some of those educational wounds that you want to help them heal as well. The biggest thing is recognizing that there's not, de-schooling is this buzzword. It's become this buzzword of like this thing to check off. Like, okay, you pulled your kid out of school. So here's the timeline. We've added a timeline to de-schooling, right? Here's the timeline of how long you have to de-school and you just don't do anything for, uh, I think there's like a thing out there that people say like a month for every year they were in school or something. But there's then this expectation of like, but then we're going to go back to normal. Then we're going to be able, like, once you're healed from that, then we're going to be able to sit at the dining room table and do a bunch of tests together and and you'll be normal then, or it'll be fine then. There's nothing you're trying to get back to. There's no normal to come around to again. It's, you're shifting everything forever. And that knowledge is powerful too, because you're not just shifting it for like your healing or even just your child's, you're shifting generations. Then you're changing, you're literally changing the world by adjusting these expectations and beliefs about what learning looks like and how we do it for other people versus doing it for ourselves. 
It's something that we need to come together to support each other on, and yet it's a beautiful privilege. So can you tell me more about how you support homeschooling moms through this journey? Tell us a little bit more about your programs and what you offer. Yeah, sure. So Your Natural Learner is my main place you can find me, right? So anywhere on social media, um, I think it's probably the biggest thing that I do is just advocate and support on social media. My Instagram is pretty much where everybody goes and finds me and gets that support. Um, A lot of that, like, just those tidbits of, oh, I never thought of it that way. Wow, why am I doing it this way, right? Like throwing that de-schooling at you so that you're forced to confront it a little bit. Um, we also, through Your Natural Learner, have the curriculum that I per- of, have written, which is um, all, again, based on child development and child-led. None of it is workbooks or sit down and do it this way um, day by day. Um, but there's that, and there's all kinds of workshops that we're running all the time and just resources in general. But um, then my newest venture is Bridge Academy, which came about through this, you know, after COVID specifically realizing how many people like were aware of this process of like, okay, I'm, I'm de-schooled now, right. Or I'm on this journey of like embracing unschooling and letting my kids learn on their own timeline, but I still have to report to the government (laughs) or I'm still like required to send in evaluations and I feel like I'm making it up or I need, my child does want to go to college. They want to be a lawyer or a doctor. And I have to have these records of finding that like middle ground, but also offering the support. And it is a private school for homeschoolers and unschoolers. So when you enroll your child there, they are a private school student. Um, but you have the power of, um, choosing how you learn, right? With your child, they get to make the choices in that journey. And we make it all, um, you know, give you credit for real life learning basically is how that works. And for those that love this idea and want to just dip their toes in a little bit at first, can you tell us about your morning magic freebie that you've offered that anybody at the summit can download? Definitely. Yeah. Something that they, when they wake up, like ready to go, ready to learn, ready to do, ready to create. And you're like, please coffee first. This is something that they can immediately start with that harnesses, not just like, okay, good. You're occupied while I do a few things that I need to do, but also actually embraces that moment of time when they are the most turned on during the day and ready to like sink their hands into something and their brains. And often that translates into how they engage with the world around them for the rest of the day. So it's like a a nice little way to set up something that gives them that power of, okay, what am they get to decide what they take out of it, right? You're not controlling it. There's no expectations. It's just you being a, a guide, a facilitator, here's something you can try and they get to take it however they want and redo it as many times as they want, come back to it. You're giving them that power of, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm giving you resources and you can figure out how. And so there's a lot kind of packed into this. Um, but yes, yeah, so we have this big um, morning invitation calendar, but the freebie gives you um, a lot of that research and helps you understand like, what's the purpose of it? How can I implement this into my routine? Um, and then uh, a week's worth of free ideas to just like swipe and try yourself. Oh, thank you for so generously offering this to everybody. I'll have that linked below this video. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your insights and wisdoms here. And I hope that we can chat again. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Assured and this clip from the Recharge Virtual Summit VIP All Access Pass. You can access all of the full conversations over at homeschoolteachingsimplified.com slash recharge. 
If you enjoyed this episode, then please take a moment to get the word out to more homeschooling moms. Take a moment to follow this show and share this episode with a friend. You could even take it one step further by leaving a review below. Thank you so much for your support and I'm looking forward to the next one.